Wake up the echoes. It's time for an all new South Bend Tribune and NDinsider.com pot of gold podcast with Notre Dame beat writers Mike Berardino and Tom Noy. I'm WNDU Sports Director Matlock, and today we're unpacking Saturday's soggy yet entertaining blue gold spring game and looking ahead to tonight's NFL draft and some talking points with Irish basketball and baseball. But first, the news of the day. Former Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner heading to Tuscaloosa to join Nick Saban and Tommy Reese at Alabama. Guys, are we surprised that Alabama is the destination for Buckner? Well, only in that um, Alabama traditionally has its pick of the litter, and Tyler Buckner uh, was clearly outplayed in the blue-gold game and uh, has had his problems when he's been on the field in his career. This guy with one career win as a starting quarterback in college football. Um, and that came in the Gator Bowl. But even that included two pick sixes at his expense. Uh, Nick Saban uh, is not known for patience, but he does have Tommy Reese there and that's as the offensive coordinator. And that obviously is the link and that's the one that makes sense. That's the comfort factor for Tyler Buckner. But the scary part for him is that Nick Saban is the head coach. Stunning, actually, because Sam Hartman was the starting quarterback at the start of spring. Sam Hartman was the starting quarterback at the end of spring. If Tyler Buckner wanted to be the starting quarterback, it was not going to happen in any way, shape, or form at the University of Notre Dame. Why not make the move in the spring? Then he can go through whatever school that he goes to, goes to Alabama, go through spring practice, go through that system, to go through an entire spring practice, and then 20, 48 hours later say, eh, you know what, I don't think Notre Dame's for me. It's just, it just doesn't, something along the way just doesn't add up to how this whole thing unfolded because again Tyler Buckner knew the minute the Gator Bowl ended or he should have known that Sam Hartman was going to be the starting quarterback at Notre Dame and that was not going to change regardless of what happened at the spring game on Saturday. So I saw a tweet from another beat writer that said that now Tyler Buckner is going to be the number one quarterback on Alabama's roster. I want to get your guys thoughts on that. Is he Alabama material? Is he going to succeed as a starting quarterback there? Well, the, the two guys they ran out there in Tommy Reese's first uh, A-Day, as they call it, uh, down there, uh, Jalen Milrow uh, and Ty Simpson. So now they got the little Ty and Tyler thing going. But uh, they were not uh, outstanding. That's why they continued to shop. Uh, they had three interceptions combined and completed less than 50% of their passes. But I don't know that Tyler Buckner had enough options that he could or leverage that he could walk in there and say, I'm not coming unless I'm promised anything. He's going to have to from day one show that he is better than those other two guys who were highly recruited but not elite level Bryce Young type people. So, um, no, I, 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 the one thing I will say with, with, to push back on Tom is that uh, there was some value in Tyler Buckner staying here and going through a spring practice where um, he knew the system better than the guy he was competing against. And when we, we didn't see much live before the Blue Gold game, but there was that one practice, a full practice we got to see where Tyler, everyone came away saying, Buckner looked better than Hartman that, that day, looked more comfortable. If, uh, if there had been no blue-gold game, if Tyler Buckner had uh, done what he did last year and, and missed it due to a, a turned ankle or something, um, then you might have come out of it thinking it was much closer than it really was, even though intuitively, yes, he should have known uh, going into the, the Gator Bowl with all the, the buzz around Sam Hartman that, uh, that there was competition coming and it was really uh, far uh, greater, more proven competition than he could match up. It's going to be really difficult for Tyler Buckner at Alabama because the SEC is a totally different animal when it comes to college football. Tyler Buckner has not played a full season of college football yet. Can he do it at Alabama? We'll see. 
So now we look at the quarterback situation back at Notre Dame. Pretty safe to say that Sam Hartman is your starting quarterback <laughs> this fall for Notre Dame. But who steps in at QB2? Because you have Steve Angeli. He's been in the system. You have a new guy in Kenny Minchie who has a lot of promise in him. Who steps in as the backup now to Sam Hartman? Well, as it presently is constituted, it's Steve Angeli because he was running the scout team or running a backup number mm -hmm. two last year coming off the scout team when Buckner was injured in, in week two. But uh, um, Angeli's never thrown a college pass. Uh, certainly has some of those intangibles that Tommy Reese had raved about before he left. Gino Gadulli at one point, the new quarterbacks coach, said, uh, and he was raving about everybody in the room, but in particular said Angeli had, had been phenomenal and in, in, in the way that he had been able to process things and, and teach the, the uh, offense as well right down the line to Minchie. But, uh, no, I think they're going to see uh, Notre Dame look for maybe the best available uh, Ivy League type product that uh, grad transfer from the Ivy League, uh, somebody like that who's willing to come here and ostensibly hold the clipboard and be there as the break glass in case of emergency option. Nobody's going to come back. Ben Bryan at Cincinnati is in the portal, uh, but he's going to have better options when you say, Tom, then come mm -hmm. here and even though Gadouli knows him well and was his coordinator and has had him at two different stints, uh, that doesn't make sense unless something were to happen. Again, a freak injury with Sam Hartman or a freak ailment uh, that he's gone through in his career. He's had, a, a, you know, his, his health journey has been, uh, you know, challenging to say the least. That doesn't make sense, but nothing in college football makes sense today, right? Like Tyler Buckner, you're one play away from being the starting quarterback in Notre Dame in 2023. You know, regardless of what Sam Hartman does this year, you're the starter in 2024, you're the starter in 2025. That's not good enough in today's college football day and age where guys can go, they can transfer, be immediately eligible, and play in 2023. So who knows what the, the quarterback situation is? All you, all you know right now is... God, let's hope Sam Hartman stays healthy because if he goes down in week two against Tennessee State, it's going to be a really long season. There is no Drew Pine. Like, nobody had any idea what Drew Pine was like last season. He played pretty well. I don't know if we're going to get that if we see that from a Steve Angeli or Kenny Minchie in 23. Well, unfortunately, Buckner's not the only player who's going into the transfer portal during spring season. Wide out turned defensive back Lorenzo Styles. And linebacker Prince Kali, both on the way out. What does this mean, especially on that defensive side of the ball now? Well, um, Prince Kali had lost ground to some of the people we saw flash in the blue-gold game. Some of these uh, the, the redshirt freshmen like Nolan Ziegler, uh, even a newly arrived early enrollee freshman, a two-sport guy like Drake Bowen was in the right place, and Prince Kali was not in that game dealing with concussion protocol uh, second time in his career short career here that he's had to deal with serious concussion but uh, Prince Kali when his one great moment of course was at Baltimore in, in the Navy game which is as hard a situation as you could step into when JD Bertrand is out and you're facing the triple option I think Prince Kali is a loss he's a talented player and I think where he goes he will produce if he's on the field the problem is getting on the field uh, and JD Bertrand is just too vital in the middle of that defense. And, and Prince Kali's not as long levered as, as the guys that they, they have been uh, running out there on the fringe, on the perimeter. So Jalen Sneed steps forward in the rover spot. Jack Kaiser moves into the inside, and, and Prince Kali moves on, and that's his prerogative. Another situation of a guy that wants to play, and he's not going to play at Notre Dame in 2023, especially with those veteran linebackers. He hasn't been able to stay on the field. We talked to him in the spring, and he said, though I asked Prince Kali the one thing people are going to learn about you in 2023. He said, Maris Leofau, when I saw Maris Leofau, I, I thought, that kid, that guy's a baller. 
and I want to be a baller. And, and maybe that happens in 2023. Not going to happen at Notre Dame. Maybe it happens somewhere else. So let me ask you guys a question to put you on the spot here, one that you guys weren't planning for. These players that are exiting the transfer portal at this point in the spring, how much of it is a result of Marcus Freeman's recruiting class that they're having young guys come in that can make a promise and these maybe sophomores see I'm not going to have much of a chance if these guys are that talented. Is it his recruiting class at all? The quality of the recruiting certainly um, and the opportunity given immediately to that wide receiver group um, forced Lorenzo Stiles' hand initially to the defensive side of the ball and then now uh, perhaps to Ohio State where he's going to visit where his brother plays and where his, his father played and it would make a lot of sense. But um, no, no doubt. I mean, I think even going back to the middle of last season, Tom, there was a time when the receiver group was struggling mm-hmm. and Marcus Freeman gave an answer um, that we included in a video at IndieInsider.com and, and, and it was instructive, I thought, which was from his perspective, what would he be telling recruits out there who might come? And of course, he had those commitments in hand already for the three that you see, including Great House, the, one, the star of the, of the blue gold game. And he said, I would, if I were one of those young receivers in high school still, I'd be getting ready to come to Notre Dame and compete for opportunity right from the beginning, essentially, to paraphrase. Um, it wasn't one of these things that uh, you would be mentored on your way up. So there's a bit of me that's a little, uh, I, I can feel for the players in terms of, you know, you paid your dues, you showed loyalty, you learned from the upperclassmen, and now you, then you get in the middle. And it applies to all three, really. I mean, Styles did have his chance to shine and, and came down with a case of the drops <laughs> last year. But uh, in, the, in the meantime, uh, you know, Kali it applies to for sure, and Buckner it applies to. And, um, and so you, you kind of get, uh, uh, you know, better options come along or, or the ones from below are allowed to push for playing time, talent's winning out, basically. And, and that's the way you win a national championship is you let talent win out. And with the wide receiver situation, Lorenzo Styles had all the opportunities in the world to step forth and be a frontline guy and be a number one receiver at Notre Dame. But then you look at Rico Flores, Braden, Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse. Those guys just looked the part more than Lorenzo Styles, And it wasn't a situation where they kept moving Lorenzo Styles to the background. He caught 30 passes last year. He had opportunities to make plays last season. He had opportunities this spring to make plays. He just didn't do it. And the guys behind him, they may be freshmen, but they're better. So we talked about the players who are leaving. Let's talk about the flip side. Do we see anybody coming into Notre Dame in this offseason before fall camp starts? Well, you would think that there would be another – has been telegraphed that move of adding yet another safety. Mm-hmm. There we have Thomas Harper coming off the, the, the labrum surgery, so it was just basically mental repping his way through the spring. But he's, they'll be counting on him, and he's the hybrid guy. Steps in a little bit at uh, – uh, for Tariq Bracey, who's now gone at, uh, at slot, as well as safety. But I think they need more depth at safety. And I don't know that they go portal shopping for another offensive guard option. I think they have three for two spots there. Um, I don't know that uh, Andrew Kristofik, uh, uh, you know, leaves Joe Rudolph without, without any concerns overnight, if that's your starter. But, um, yeah, of course, and like we said, I think they're going to go get a likely to go at least be in the market for a, an experienced but less talented, maybe a step-up kind of quarterback, a, uh, their own version of Chad Henney. Chad Henney. He's not available. We, we have a Chad Henney he's reference. Not, he, well, that's, that's the ultimate, right? I mean, you're, you're not, I'm not, I'm not, I've just elevated uh, Hartman to, to Mahomes. But you want somebody who, who's, who's played mm-hmm. and knows what it's like and won't, you know, remember when Jack Cohn first came, if I'm not mistaken, the thought was because Tyler Buckner 
had that great, uh, he had a great spring game as a freshman, as an early enrollee. Had people like, whoa, can he play from day one? He was, he just looked so comfortable. Um, and there was a sense, because Jack Cohn was kind of, eh, you know, at Wisconsin, that maybe he was coming here and would be a willing, ego-free backup just in case this amazing day one starter, it could have been Buckner, uh, ran, a, ran a ground. But um, in this case, you're asking somebody to sit behind a guy with a, with a health history that's been difficult. Um, and, uh, but if he's healthy, of course, Hartman takes every snap. Yeah, and they're always in the portal. Like the portal, you, you always have to monitor the portal to say, what about this guy? What If there's a fit, Notre Dame will pursue it, whether it's a cornerback, like we said, whether it's a quarterback. But in this day and age of college football, your roster can never totally be set because something like Tuesday happens and blows it all out of the water. Yeah, it's kind of a loaded question. We've been talking about the transfer portal. We've seen a lot of big-name players leave a lot of hyped up players leave. We've even seen some chaos at some schools like Colorado where former players no longer have access to their practice footage. Anymore. An entire roster gets turned 51, over. 51 players in the transfer portal, a coach telling guys, go, go to the transfer portal. Cause Literally I'm cutting them, saying, I'm going to cut you. You're, you don't have a place here. Like, that's college football in 2023. So we can make a whole podcast just from this question alone. Mm. How has the portal changed? college football especially but really all of college sports it's not really college anymore uh, like it's it's almost like a semi-pro professional type of league where you think you have your roster you have to manage your roster 365 days a year 24 hours a day because a kid may wake up and say yeah you know what i don't like it here i'm gonna go somewhere else that was that was seldom the case where it was news when a player like trans, like Tyler Buckner decided, I'm leaving, that's it. I'm gone, I'm gonna go somewhere else. Now it's just like a regular Tuesday. Like, hey, Drew Pine, look at everything that Drew Pine did last season. And he, he says, I don't know if I wanna stay, stick around and battle Sam Hartman for the starting quarterback job, I'm going into the portal. Same thing with Tyler Buckner. That used to be earth shattering, like program changing news. Now it's just another day if you're a college football coach trying to consistently manage your roster and come up with contingency plans. If this guy's leaving, we're going to do this. If that guy's leaving, we're going to do that. It's never ending. I would say the, the uh, eye-opener in recent months and certainly in this past, few, this past week is that Notre Dame thought it was perhaps insulated from the idea of the undergraduate transfer who leaves without his degree. Yeah. Because even Jack Swarbrick on, on the, the Golic podcast in December made a point that Notre Dame to this point had, had been pretty much on, a, on an island in terms of coping with the uh, transfer portal uh, fallout because the value of the degree kept them the players around even if they didn't like their playing time until they at least graduate. It might take them three and a half years, might take them four, but then the grad transfer, okay, go on and see if you can better yourself. Now you're seeing people leave. I asked Lorenzo Stiles how close he was to his degree. He was three semesters away. And now, Ohio State degree, if that's what it ends up being, nothing to spit at, but he's not going to get on the field automatically if that's indeed where he goes. So, and Drew Pine left with, uh, you know, two years full away from his uh, potential degree. This guy who grew up, uh, you know, jumping up and down uh, on, the, on the couch, pretending he was Rudy, 
you know, he had the whole narrative. <laughs> he got to play, and then he didn't feel valued, so he kind of left in a huff. And then uh, the Prince Kali thing as well. I mean, who's to say that Prince Kali, even if he gets uh, every snap wherever he goes, whether it's SEC or Big 12 or whatever, turns into an NFL player? Right. There's no guarantee. The, uh, it's almost like uh, something has been maybe. And, and again, this was the, this was Marcus's answer. Uh, to my question about Styles, the disappointment of of losing Styles to the portal, and Marcus gave his his answer about the value of that Notre Dame degree that he just wishes they would stay for it. And it's a it's not pure recruiting talk. That's a that's a legitimate thing. There are valuable degrees elsewhere, but um, that if that pitch doesn't go over anymore, uh, we're going to see more and more guys leaving here with 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 stars in their eyes and dollar signs in their eyes. And there's a lot more work to be done and a lot more dominoes have to fall before the most talented four-star uh, coming out of high school leaves the first program and succeeds and gets to NFL money. So I do think that the handlers need to uh, kind of, there needs to be more uh, family discussions uh, that involve, you know, what are you losing here as well as what you're gaining. In this day and age of college athletics, four for 40, which is what Notre Dame constantly preaches four for 40 come here for four years you'll have your next 40 taken care of that doesn't matter anymore to these kids four for 40 doesn't matter as much as where am i on the depth chart how am, am, am i going to play when am i going to play if i'm not going to play i've got to go find somewhere else to play so that that notre dame was long insulated by the four for 40 that's gone in, in college athletics today and you add nil into college yeah. athletics and that just makes a whole other mess with the transfer portal that is a Another podcast for another day. <laughs> Spring football for Notre Dame has come to a close. The blue gold game was on Saturday. It was a wet and rainy day. Luckily, the three of us got to watch the game inside. So we weren't out onto the field. We got to stay dry. After seeing the entire spring season, what position group do you feel better about after spring practices? I would say a cornerback, uh, just because we saw in the blue gold game, Jaden Mickey, uh, showing that his confidence indeed is back, make, showing the, making the athletic interception against Tyler Buckner. Uh, Clarence Lewis uh, stayed uh, out of trouble for the most part in terms of missed tackles or missed assignments, and that's a guy with some ability, uh, but also some, missed, some blown assignments through the years. He's been moving more inside to the slot. So I think, uh, you know, having, and of course, Cam Hart was out all spring, but just taking the mental reps, he'll be back. Uh, in, the, in the fall and a huge part of that cornerback rotation, the best cornerback, along with Benjamin Morrison, who's now, you know, I don't think Ben Morrison will be thrown at nearly as much this no, year. It's going to be the, very... The book's out on Ben Morrison. It's going to be very Stay hard. away from number 20. Don't go his direction. Yeah, so... Um, There'll be more opportunity, and Cam Hart's very well regarded. But they're going to have to, if they're going to throw to a receiver, it's, it's probably not going to be the guy Morrison's uh, covering. So that's going to be. I think that group is is under Mike Mickens is very solid. And speaking of a receiver, I'm going to go with the receivers because last last spring, even last fall during the season, it was, oh, where where who's the playmaker? Who can they go to on a key third down? Who can they go to in traffic? Who can they go to when they need? to move the chains down the field. Was it Lorenzo Styles? Is it, was it Braden Lindsey? If, if Drew Pine can throw, could have thrown a deeper ball, maybe Braden Lindsey was the breakout receiver. So I think wide receiver this year, we see it because Lorenzo Styles says, L Lorenzo Styles looks at guys like Tobias Merriweather and, and Deion Colsey and the freshman that we talked about and says, I don't like my spot here. So I, I think as thin as wide receiver was last season, it's deeper this year going into the, the, the fall of, t of 2023. All right, so we'll go to the opposite side. 
after all of the spring practices, is there anybody you're kind of concerned about? Uh, in terms of a position group? Position group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I kind of alluded to the idea that the uh, interior offensive line needs, still needs work. I mean, they're losing uh, nearly 80 combined career starts in the two guards who go out the door, Jarrett Patterson and Josh Lugg. I think Zeke Carell will be fine at center, but, the, but he's got Billy Shrouth with a big upside, but zero in-game experience at left guard, it looks like. That's who was performing at left guard throughout the spring, and, and the early reviews are solid. But uh, can you count yet on... Andrew Kostovic back, he's gone in and out of the starting lineup in his career. He's now looking at right guard. Or is it Rocco Spindler, uh, late blooming Rocco Spindler, if he gets in there at this point? But, uh, you know, it was interesting. He was among those who, was, who were on the uh, winning uh, gold line that was protecting Sam Hartman. And for the most part, Sam Hartman had time to throw with that group. Of course, it's a mix and match thing. But he, he had more offensive line uh, high-end guys. And Tyler Buckner seemed like his, his uh, losing blue squad uh, that he had helped draft. I guess they were really <laughs> drafting. I think that might have been scripted a bit, uh, perhaps more than our podcast. That's why and, he's out, because he's a bad GM. He didn't, he didn't draft a good enough team he didn't, to move the football. He didn't have the people to protect game. him. So he, so he was sacked, and he was, he was, he was antsy. Mm. But uh, I would say uh, I need to see more from that interior offensive line. As of 11.25 this morning, I, I might have said the interior defensive line, but at 11.30, I'm saying the quarterbacks because, again, as we've, we've talked about what they're losing with Tyler Buckner, when you're one play away from having your entire season playing at US, or playing USC at home, playing at home against Ohio State, going to Clemson, having to finish the year against Stanford, and you're one play away from having Steve Angeli or Kenny Minchie as your starting quarterback, my biggest concern now is going to be can – a, can Sam Hartman stay healthy? And B, can somebody develop or can they find somebody in the portal where if something happens to, to Sam Hartman, a strained hamstring or a sore knee, they could go to that guy and not lose all that much and still continue forward this season. Let's not forget, Steve Angeli was the hero of last year's Blue Gold <laughs> Game talk with of the walk-off touchdown. Matter. He's got the legs. Now, Marcus Freeman at the end of the Blue Gold Game was asked an interesting question about the format of the spring game. If you were in charge and you could change the structure of a spring game, a practice, a scrimmage, maybe even another school, leave it the way it is, what would you do to, to kind of enhance your team with the spring season? Well, I, I like what Alabama did, uh, little I saw, uh, with its A-Day. It seemed like they took the uh, local beat writers, Nick Kelly from the Tuscaloosa <laughs> paper, seemed to be running the offense. <laughs> And, uh, Wait, and really? I chased, they yeah, did that? yeah, they were on the field and, um, and they, and he had, you know, they were embedded. And so I think that this is an excellent idea. I don't really care from there, but I do think that uh, Tom and I should be allowed to basically, <laughs> no. uh, you know, coach against each other. See, uh, I with, thought you two were running the offense against Marshall last season. That's why <laughs> we had such a slow no, start. No, no, no. but uh, no, we're, you know, we're not at all qualified to do this, but, uh, Speak it, would, for it, yourself. Would, it would lead, <laughs> it would lead to better, uh, podcast fodder. And uh, in the short term, uh, you know, some, some good, maybe get a GoPro uh, video or something going on. And, uh, yeah, that's, if Alabama can do it, it seems like, you know, they're, they're, it's just interchangeable parts here, Notre Dame, Alabama ideas. That's the brainstorm. That's not a unique one, but that's the one I'd like to see Notre Dame try. You know, we have a football in the newsroom, and we throw it around quite often. I would like to say my spiral has gotten much tighter. If they need someone to jump in at quarterback, um, I have eligibility you left. Can you convert on third and nine? I don't know. With a pass rush. With Jordan Botella coming at you, <laughs> will you be able to convert? Got probably You're drip. running for your life. You're I've not got doing anything. pine legs at least. Uh, I don't know. How, how good <laughs> were those legs, though? He but had a couple big plays. As far as the spring game, I would like to see something like a hybrid spring game practice game situation with another school. 
I talked with Mike about this before the spring game the other day, where the spring game is just a practice. Like all the pomp and circumstance that happens with the spring game, once it starts, the fans in the stands are like, that's it? Yeah. Like this is all, this is really what we're going to sit in 40 degree weather with driving rain and some, some snow flurries the other day. So practice against another team in, a, in like game situations, not necessarily a full on scrimmage, four quarters, 15 minutes each, but game type situations. Go this, uh, work on your third downs, work on goal line, work on situations where you, where you can see where you are with a, against another team and make it a little more productive than what a spring game is. Because a spring game is, is nothing, than, nothing more than a glorified practice that, oh, by the way, fans are paying $10 to go watch. So we talked about Notre Dame present, a little bit Notre Dame future. Let's talk about Notre Dame past because tonight is the NFL draft. Now the Irish have the most draft picks of any college football program entering the night, but they had only two draft picks last season. So let's talk this year. First off, is Michael Mayer going to hear his name called in the first round this year? Well, I can't, I'm, I'm in no position to guarantee this. I hope you realize Where's it. your mock draft? I hate that concept. <laughs> Don't you hate that? I mean, there should be some. Where is the, the standard? The, where's the bar? The bar is entirely too low right. to publish a mock draft. I mean, I've been part of the uh, entities where, where you know, there, there's pressure to put that out there. But mm -hmm. uh, it would seem like it would be a massive mistake having watched Michael Mayer for the three years here, uh, knowing what he brings uh, in terms of the confidence and, the, and, and this idea that he's not athletic enough, Tom, that's, that's ridiculous. So Dalton Kincaid from Utah might go ahead of him, it sounds like, based on mock drafts. Absolutely. Um, but uh, is that uh, wise? I can't say that. Um, and, and if anybody else goes ahead of him, that huge guy from, from Washington from uh, Georgia, mm -hmm. if he were to, if somebody's like, oh, we'll work with him, whatever, big mistake there. So I think he does go somewhere in the 20s. That's what, we, that's what I ended up settling on, uh, you know, uh, putting all these mock drafts together and just just intuitively who needs a tight end where exactly he'll go it'd be cool if he ended up on the Bengals he could play for his hometown team and Joe Burrow I mean that's that's just too much swag in in, in one <laughs> huddle right if those two guys are together Burrow and, and Mayer but uh, Dallas has been mentioned the Chargers might always like the Notre Dame connection they might go there uh, Jacksonville would be another place if he could work with Trevor Lawrence um, I think they they do they would do good work as an Eagles fan, anybody but Dallas. Don't give Dak another target. Yeah, he might wind up at, in Dallas. But the Michael Mayer situation, I, I draw a lot of comparison to last year when Notre Dame goes 15-5 and five in the ACC for men's basketball. When they go 15-5, and five, they finish second in the league. They almost win the league. And then they're this close away from not going to the NCAA tournament because there's so much time to pick apart a resume of a Notre Dame men's basketball team or a resume of a Michael Mayer. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Look at his, look at his workout. Look at his 40 time. Look at this. Look at the guy's a football player. And you can't tell me he's not a first round NFL draft pick when it's all said and done. Now, he, he, he should go in the first round. He may not go in the first round, but then after you get to Michael Mayer and Isaiah Foskey, that may be it for Notre Dame football in the draft. Like, who's going next? Who's a, who's a surefire draft pick that we know is going to hear his name called maybe not Friday, but Saturday? Is it, 
Is it uh, Jared Patterson? It's Patterson. It's is it Brandon, Brandon Joseph? Joseph. Beyond that, it gets real thin. Yeah, you're right. They could, it could be two straight years with just two draftees. Now that would be that would be a, a kick in the teeth. But uh, and but I don't expect. I do think one of those two, if not both, ends up in the late rounds. Patterson and Joseph. It, it, the quality enough in what they bring. But again. Uh, they can. There's too much time for these teams and these GMs to, to overthink it, um, and there's nothing. There's there's no shame in coming into the NFL as an undrafted free agent. Plenty of guys have done it, stuck around for a long time. Uh, the Adam Alolas will do it that way, most likely. Uh, Bo Bauer, once he's fully healthy, you know, mm-hmm. these are kind of guys who add values, even long snapping. I mean, they're not going to be drafted probably, but I think they'll have some NFL time. Um, and even Blake Groupie, right? You never, never know what the kicker, you know, if, if Justin Yu. We're down to kickers. Justin, Justin Yu never caught on for whatever reason, but Blake Groupie, uh, you know, the, the pocket rocket with all that, with all that uh, distance, I, I wouldn't bet against him uh, catching on somewhere. So, it, you know, it, it's, but no guarantees here because we're, 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 we're uh, too seasoned to make that mistake. Yeah, I'm not, I don't do mock drafts. I just report what actually happens. Okay. Uh, no I'll mocks. leave that no to mocks you guys. Here. NFL Draft kicks off 8 o'clock Eastern tonight, just round one tonight. Two, three will be on Friday, four through seven on Saturday. Switching gears to Notre Dame men's basketball, Micah Shrewsbury, his first coaching staff beginning to sh- take shape. Guys, who do we like on the staff? <laughs> Who's been added? What's been going on since uh, Micah threw out the first pitch for the South Bend Cubs? Well, who do we like? We don't really know because only two, two coaches have been officially announced because it's the, the whole George O'Leary thing where you have to go through the protocols of human resources and make sure no, nothing comes up on a resume that shouldn't be there. So it's been, I believe, four weeks to the day that Micah Shrewsbury stood before us at Purcell Pavilion and had his introductory press conference. And that's really all we've heard, seen or heard from him because he's hiring a coaching staff. He's still working on a roster. Technically, they have more coaches now than players. They have uh, Mike Farrelly, who's going to be an assistant coach that came from Penn State. Kyle Getter, who will be the associate head coach, came from the University of Virginia. He'll, he'll have a couple more assistants, a video coordinator, recruiting coordinator, maybe a director of basketball operations. But right now, as we sit here on Thursday, he's got more coaches and players. So it's, it's slowly taking shape, but an emphasis on slow. He'll get there. And we'll see what kind of staff he has. We'll see what kind of a roster he has. We'll see what kind of a program he has. Even now, a month later, we have no answers to any of those basketball questions, which is okay because it's still only April. Cormac Ryan's a Tar Heel. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> transfer know portal. That. Yeah, the transfer <laughs> portal that we talked about college football, it's even just as crazy in college basketball where Cormac Ryan, a three-year captain at Notre Dame, decides, should I stay for a six-year and play college basketball for a six-year? I'll do it, but I'm not going to do it here. I'm going to go to North Carolina. The last time he was at North Carolina, he got thrown out of that game because <laughs> of some sort of weird ejection call. So he will make Chapel Hill, Chapel Hill his home. I hear there's some pretty good restaurants down there to, to, to visit. I just camp. give him credit for, for the, uh, the constant ascent in terms of academic <laughs> prestige, going from Stanford, then upgrading to Notre Dame, and now up, up, upgrading ultimately to North Carolina. Uh, Says the North Carolina law. Where they we do to go to class in. now. They do have to they go do. to class. They do. They do. Did you go to class? Sometimes. Oh, as long only as occasionally. Was, uh, maybe not the 8 a.m. psych class, <laughs> but uh, at 9 or later, uh, if long, depending on what was going on at the Daily Tar Heel. I mean, you know, where were we on that? Uh, that was always, that's what I majored in, really, was this. Cormac's got his undergraduate degree and a master's degree from Notre Dame. 
he doesn't have to worry about classes. He has to worry about getting North Carolina back to the NCAA tournament. I will say oh. the fact that he said that he was going to enter the transfer portal and the NBA draft meeting, <laughs> I'm going to play basketball somewhere. It's just not going to be in South Bend anymore. Nope. So, switching gears to the roster now. You guys said it. Not a whole lot of players on that roster. Are you hearing anything? The players may be coming in. Who could be on the court for Notre Dame next year, if anybody? Well, they have three returning players from last season. Matt Zona, Tony Sanders, J.R. Kinesny from South Bend St. Joe. They have an incoming freshman, Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana, Marcus Burton. They have a transfer, Julian Roper from Northwestern. And that's it. So that's what, five? They have five players. So they have enough players to field the team if they played an ACC game tonight. I believe that Micah Shrewsbury will add not one, not two, but all three of his recruiting class members from Penn State to Notre Dame, Kerry Booth, Logan Imes from Zionsville, and his oldest son, Braden Shrewsbury, will eventually be at Notre Dame. There might be one or two other Penn State guys. And then again, it's the transfer portal. It's not a coincidence that the one guy that Notre Dame has gotten out of the transfer portal this spring is from Northwestern. It's a little bit tricky academically for Notre Dame men's basketball to go there and say, hey, we need a point guard. We're going to go get this guy who played in the SEC, or we need a power forward. We're going to get this guy who played in the Big East. Academically, there are a lot of hoops to jump through, so they have to be a little bit more selective. But if you're a point guard and you've played college basketball, Notre Dame and Micah Shrewsbury would like to speak with you. <laughs> they need you bad. You're telling me Trey Wirtz is out of eligibility? <laughs> Trey Wirtz is, God bless Trey Wirtz, God bless Dane Goodwin, God bless Nate Lashevsky and Robbie Carmody, but it's just time for them to move on with their college career or their, their basketball careers wherever they go to play professionally. They all have their graduate degrees, but it's just time to start fresh and start over for, for Notre Dame men's moves. All right, we're starting to run out of time. One last thing on the docket. Former Notre Dame baseball coach Link Jarrett returning to Notre Dame. Now is the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles. Of course, he left last year in the offseason after taking the Irish to the College World Series, ending their drought. Guys, we have some questions, but I want to mix it up a little bit. What is Notre Dame's baseball team missing this year about Link Jarrett? Just Link Jarrett. Like, I spent about 30 minutes on the phone with Link earlier this, this week. I have a column in... Friday's South Bend Tribune and just just to sit and listen to him talk baseball and his vision for Florida State and then also before the last couple of seasons what his vision for Notre Dame baseball was you wanted to go grab a glove and a bat and go and play for him like he gets it he understands Florida State is struggling they're not really good this year I think they've lost 22 of their last 25 or something they're on an unbelievable losing streak with what they have down there because they're young, they're inexperienced. But when, you, when he gets it going, Florida State is going to look like Florida State used to look like, and they're going to look a lot like what Notre Dame did the past two years where they went to Super Regionals in consecutive seasons for the first time in program history and then went to the College World Series. I look back and I did a lot of the, the, the stories on Link Jarrett and that 2022 team. I still find it mind-boggling that Notre Dame did what it was able to do in 21 and 22 and get to Omaha last summer. What, what's Notre Dame baseball missing? From Link Jarrett. Well, uh, I would just say that overall, I, I haven't watched a single game. The element, of, <laughs> the element of surprise, anytime that you're a known quantity and you make it to Omaha, you know, now they see you coming. The other teams stack their, their rotation to make sure they have their best chance against you. Everybody, you're going to get the A game. 
and uh, and perhaps there's a little bit of a boredom sets in with the regular season because they know that they that what the postseason's about. This group, all that's one of the downsides of having experience and people who know how to make a run is that sometimes they wait around to make that run. But I, if, I, I don't think either of us would be surprised if we saw a run again if Notre Dame gets in. A run as deep as last year, I don't think is possible just because there, there may be too many holes in the roster and the lineup and everything. And they, they don't, just don't, don't seem to have the same swagger as they did last year under Link Jarrett because of guys that have left the program and guys that have graduated and moved on. But there's something to build on with what Link did here in his short time. All right. Guys, thanks for tuning up to, uh, thanks for joining us. This is the first episode of the Pot of Gold podcast with uh, ND Insider and the South Bend Tribune, so there'll be more to come. For Mike Berardino and Tom Noy, the South Bend Tribune, I'm Matt Locke. Be sure to read the Tribune and ND Insider and tune into 16 News Now for coverage across Michiana. Thanks for watching.